Hey, I'm Will Laviste. He's Eric Laville. You're tuned in to Laviste and Claville, telling you straight the way it is from a black male perspective. Let's get right to it. Today's show, populism from Confederacy to Trump. Uh, we talked about it already, this, this insurrection issue. Yeah. But it absolutely, the insurrection occurring on January 6th has got people shocked. But in many ways, Eric, you, myself, we're not shocked about this because actually the DNA of American populism and undergirded by racism and nationalism is never truly gone anywhere, right? I right. mean, it's always been there. Yeah, hey, look, Will, you and I talk about this all the time, and this is an aspect of Trumpism that is not really covered in the media. Well, it's really not covered at all. Right. And the reason why it's not covered is because it deals with regular people being left out of the system and believing that the elites are getting more than them and they have no chance whatsoever. I mean, I mean, look, I, I don't know where you want to, where we can start with this, probably from the beginning, but I mean, <laughs> keep in mind, Occupy Wall Street was not that long ago. Right. Well, you essentially, you essentially identify what populism really is all about. I mean, it's basically, a, you know, this appeal, political appeal to people who feel like they've been left out of the system, the disenfranchised, their lives are disappearing. And so you mentioned Occupy Wall Street. The bottom line is not often talked about a lot, but there are very similar uh, characteristics to the Occupy Wall Street movement and the Tea Party movements, which Absolutely. developed around the same time. Their connection to past movements in American history Absolutely. where people have felt that left out and felt that their lives are slipping away. So what Trump was able to do and what happened with the Tea Party, Trump is a next iteration of the Tea Party, which in a lot of ways was an iteration of um, um, New Gingrich and what yeah. he was doing in oh, the 90s. Man. Again, all based on if you appeal to people who feel that their lives have been left out, you can manipulate, you can use them to your advantage. And that's absolutely whether it's on the left or on the right. Absolutely. Now, look, we talk about from, from Confederacy to Trump. So let me go back to the Confederacy. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. During that time period, 1860, leading up to 1861, all the way through 1865, I mean, the country itself, especially uh, in the South, you had a lot of poor whites. Right. All right. A lot of poor whites. A lot of most of the area was uh, the country was subsistence farming in that particular area. So now you have these northerners. You got, you know, individuals that are thinking at a higher level, quote unquote, and, and pushing these theories down and, and saying, you know, the higher uh, culture. Ed, yeah. Right. Right. Educated and the like and really bringing the England style of, you know, the Great Britain style, which who is our mother? You know, America, Great Britain is our mother. All right. right. We revolted from them. We broke away. We are the child of England. So, you know, they, they were bringing that type of elitism and, and lifestyle over to the U.S. and emulating that. Right. As you came further down uh, from from Maryland or Maryland and all the way through, you know, it started to get more rural. It started to get more uh, uh, non-elitist. Uh, right. So that type of living. So the Civil War happened at a, at a time, not just where the country was, was uh, dividing themselves right. the idea of slavery, but it was also economic. All right. Let's not forget it. Economics plays a major role in every war, every conflict. 
So after the Civil War, now you get Reconstruction. The South's got to be rebuilt. You got the carpet baggage. You got uh, the banks putting in, uh, the South in the hole financially and the like. A lot of people lost their wealth. So now you're starting almost from ground zero again. So you're building yourself up. And then after that, you hit the Great Depression. Right. Well, even before that, I mean, during that process, you got sharecropping going on. So you went oh, yeah. from folks being limited by slavery and indentured servitude. Now you get this new system that comes in after the Civil War with sharecropping, where you've got basically farmers renting plots of land or something to for other people to farm and basically overburdening them with with expenses, with rents, with all kinds of so that you can never actually get ahead. So this was affecting both whites and blacks. And I remember, you know, I was just, you you know, as you were coming forward and I was thinking about the movie, I just recently uh, watched the movie, The Great Debaters, which is about, um, you know, Wiley College debaters. And but it was about uh, a second story that was going on in there was Melvin Tolson, who was the debate coach, how he was working with the the sharecroppers to try to unionize them and yeah. how he was being accused, white and black, right? White and, and, right. White and black and how right. he was being accused of being a communist. So you right. see in this, in this period, you see this going on because communism talks more about, you know, the, the commonwealth of people and, and everybody being able to move sort of forward together. So you see that coming in as a political system, a way of thinking to yeah. solve people's economic problems. Because of what you said, people in the system feeling that their lives are being taken away from them. They can't get ahead and so forth. So so the so the the message became, well, these guys like Tolson or other people are bad because they are communists. You know, they want to, you know, take over the, you know, our total way of life and our total way of living when that was their way of trying to address this whole issue of people feeling disenfranchised and that their lives are being taken away from them. Well, you hit it right, the nail right on the head, you know, and by the way, just a quick note about, you know, that movie, the, the, the son of Tolson was a history professor at Mount Vermont State University, uh, right, right there in my building. Uh, so, oh, oh, so, oh, so, so that we throw it out, we throw it out shout outs. Melvin Tolson was a Lincoln man. He was, he was he at Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. So let me well, just represent <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And folks, we love our HBCUs. <clears throat> we love right. our university. So you're going to hear a lot of that between Will and I here. So, um, so you know, with that being the case, you know, now you look at, you know, the Great Depression. Now, the Great Depression itself was because the elites, again, were playing with people's money. They were going, playing with it and gambling on Wall Street with it. And all of a sudden you get this, you get this, it's kind of like a bridge. So you have this bridge that's holding up and then right. you have the bridge that comes down and then you have this line right so here when you look at this area this was the great depression era right the least were here those that didn't have were here right. that was a huge gap in wealth right and right. in, in, in individuals have those that have and have not so now you get that dive and when you get that dive in the great depression you know, the have nots and the haves are almost equal because people lost everything Everybody catching it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, thank goodness for Franklin Roosevelt, you know, with the New Deal. You know, all these plans that he's putting in place, these social security, society <laughs> security blankets, you know, social security itself was created. 
on the social programs were created to help the masses. And again, more so white Americans, right? Sounds like democratic socialism. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds just like it, right? Hmm. Uh, so he put these protectionisms in, you know, to help society. And then over in Europe, you know, they created more of a, a socialism to protect society. High taxes, uh, believing that individuals at the top should pay more. <clears throat> and then what you have there is now you have services that are offered, you know, just as, you know, a way of life. Right. So you don't have to have health insurance. You just simply go to the doctor, right? Some countries in Europe, you don't even pay for education all the way up to a doctor degree. You just go to the university or go to college or university as a college. So now you see in America, these so social safety nets. Right. But it wasn't until when you got around uh, wheel the 1980s, right? When now you see uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Wall Street, you know, greed, with uh, greed is good. A- absolutely, greed is good, and greed started taking over because again, the only way you know Wall Street is basically itself is you know it has its it, ha- it has its good points, but really it's it's, a, it's somewhere where you gamble, you gamble on an idea, you gamble on your company, people invest, uh, you give projections on how well you think you're going to do, right. and then you make money. That's that's a gamble, right? That that's a chance that you're taking. So now you get Wall Street. Greed is good. And over and over again, you hear this. Over and over again, you hear greed is good. So now you get the first blimp over that happened over in England. Uh, it was in the 80s. I think it was Black Monday uh, that happened there. Then we had Black Friday. Hmm. And of course, I remember in the 80s, all the comedians saying Black Friday. They woke up one morning and said, oh, it's a holiday. So they went back to sleep. You know? <laughs> They're like, we don't have to go to work, Will. This is a black holiday. <laughs> but and then and then you know as you as you continue to coming forward you're in the Reagan years now and then you're coming forward oh, into the Clinton years that's when as I mentioned earlier New Gingrich is now using some of these same um, themes to capitalize on to um, you know advance his agenda so a lot of Republican as you were mentioning um, the New Deal and Franklin Roosevelt a lot of Republicans that exist now and and sort of within the, the Gingrich uh, era and coming forward have been trying to undo many of those same um, uh, policies that, uh, that FDR put in there because they just philosophically have the difference of opinion on how you should address these issues, which gives rise to, you know, the Tea Party movement. The Tea Party is basically many of the same things, even going back to the Civil War, talking about smaller government you know, I want the government out of my business and so forth. But with this underlying, undergirding nationalism and racism there, this is where you also get coming out of it, the birther movement, which you came later and so forth. This anti-immigration strain. Again, we don't want those people coming over here. They're going to take away our livelihoods. So when you see it start culminating yeah. into what we saw on January 6th and you understand the thread of this country, where this is coming from, it shouldn't be shocking at all in any way. Right. Well, well, right. You're exactly right. It shouldn't be shocking. But it is because we forget history, right? Mm -hmm. We forget that these things happen over and over again unless we put protections. I don't call them regulations. I call them protections. Protectionism to help people and to help companies not to do what they do. Again, you know, we're, we're all subject to greed. 
we're all subject to all the devices, the negative devices of the flesh, right? You know, we're all subject to jealousy. We're all subject to envy. We're all subject to these. But we put protectionisms on ourselves to keep ourselves from acting upon these things that we're, we're all subject to. So when it comes to government, you know, that becomes overridden by the influence and the money of these private companies, right? So the question is, what is the answer? So let's take a look at what, what, what took place in the, with the tech bubble. Let's go to the 2000. Hmm. We had the first I know it well. I was right in the middle of it. I know it well. Go ahead. You go know, ahead and start twitching. Start look, look, <laughs> well, a lot of us during that time period that were early investors or investing kind of heavy, you know, right. we're getting out of college. We had great corporate jobs. That's when corporate was making it rain. You know? Right. That's when or working for companies where we just knew we were an internet startup. Oh we my gosh. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep look, I, I look, I, I remember even for myself, just you know, when I my first job out of college, right? I got assigned and when I assigned the, the contract, I got there, they they said, Oh, we're giving everybody in the company a raise, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I come in with a raise. Right. After I signed, I got a company car, I got a company gas card, I got a company phone, and that's when cell phones were not a novelty, right? You get a cell phone in, in you know, your local uh, gas station. But no, you know, th- this is when you had to pay for 30 minutes, right? And exactly. you make sure, okay, <laughs> I need to get off my phone because I got 26 minutes left, you know, for this particular plan. You know, but I got all this. Now, again, you're talking about a kid out of undergrad coming into corporate America, voila, you know? So now, naturally, money's flowing, Will, and look, we, we all were caught up in it, right? We all were investing. We all were, you know, buying this and buying that, maybe an additional house and here and there. Tech bubble comes, all of a sudden, something happens, mm, right? Wow. And the people who in the middle, well, first of all, the people on the bottom got wiped out. Those that's in the middle got knocked down to them, right? Mm. So now we start leveraging, all right? We start cutting back. My company car gets taken. <laughs> you know, I get a 60-day notice. You got to turn your car in because corporations are starting to brain back, right? You know, all well, these- Well, be glad you didn't have one of those cars that uh, they had to, they had the, uh, the, the technology had the key to your ignition that if you missed your point, <laughs> you was oh. stopping right in the middle of the highway. Absolutely. Look, <laughs> matter of fact, you could even get in the car, you know what I'm saying? So that key wouldn't work. It's like, I, I got a problem. No, no, we, we took this car back. But, you know, so now, you know, those of us were knocked down to the bottom, but those that were on the top stayed at the top. And what I'm talking about are speculators, right? right. These guys kept speculating. And then we moved toward uh, the big crash. Now, the tech crash was in the early 2000s. Uh, Enron happened early 2000s. Enron right. was the warning. Right. That was the major warning. It's kind of like that tr- that big tremor before the big quake. That was Enron. Kenneth Lay, you know, rest in peace. Uh, but, you know, that company invested all of his companies, all of his employees uh, retirement in their company stock. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people were just skyrocketing. Right. Uh, accounts were high. And will I never forget? I never forget when Enron failed. You got people walking out with boxes. Right. I remember that image. Yeah. You know, boxes. Basically, they went from having a, a half million to a million dollars in, in their investment account for retirement mm. to zero overnight. I mean, literally overnight. Crazy. You know, so, so, Will, what happens when people like that 
lose a job, right? What happens? Well, they lose a job. They lose their sense of esteem. They start looking for scapegoats. They start looking for other people to blame. They become susceptible to those who still have resources, still in power, who want to manipulate and use the voting power that those people still have to uh, advance their own agenda, their own advancement. And so you see that same type of thing is what happened in Nazi Germany. Again, you start identifying scapegoats. It's not the system and its lack of safeguards that created the situation where you've lost everything that you had, but it's those people over there, or it's that person over there, you know, it's affirmative action, or it's uh, immigration, you know, these people are taking your jobs. But, you know, another piece in there that's interesting on the flip side, on the other side of the spectrum, is that you had a lot of young people who were coming up in this era who never saw that prosperity that you and I got a chance to see and then coming up with all of this, um, their their image, their idea of the system that is very corrupt. It can't be trusted. Right. Not going to work. There's a sense of hopelessness that this is not going to ever work for me. And so you start seeing the rise of the Occupy Wall Street. There you go. Uh, so, and and what do you see in there? You see people concerned yeah. about their health care. If, yeah. if if I can't get a job and my job is tied to my ability to have health insurance is tied to my job, then you need to decouple that. And then if you've got an economy where I really can't even get a full-time job that's good paying and I, and I got to rely on all these part-time jobs because you don't want oh, to man. pay people full-time. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the, again, it's coming down to economics. So it's just so, it's just so powerful how even on these opposite sides of the political spectrum, the issues, many of the issues are so much of the same. Right. Much but, Will, but Will, I, I, you, 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 said, you said so much that God is right here, right? That mm-hmm. people don't realize. You said multiple jobs for our benefits. The, the Occupy Wall Street, and the, which, which was caused by the stock market, the mortgage collapse, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the stock market, gave way to what's called the gig economy. Mm-hmm. That created the gig economy. Right. You know, and I would go back. You said young people also didn't experience as well. But you also had middle age workers, middle age workers, mm-hmm. 50 years old, 49, 50, 55. Uh, bachelor's degrees, professionals, you know, some some professors, profession, you just need a bachelor's degree, you know, to be a professional. Some with master's degrees. Right. Some, uh, not so much doctor, but master's degrees and so forth. These individuals with a lot of experience, 25 plus years experience, they lost everything, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they leverage their homes to pay for the education of the kids, right? They leverage their rental property for those that they had a second home, right? right? You know, you leverage that. And then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. Your house is worth, you know, 350 or 500,000. Fraction of what it was, right? Half, cut in half, but now you're upside down. Hmm. So very quietly, the, the the banks and the mortgage companies now, you know, they're upside down. So they get bailed out by, you know, the Bush administration. Right. right? They get bailed out. And on one piece of paper, remember this, on one piece of paper, all the bank heads were called to the Federal Reserve 
The door was uh, 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 locked. <clears throat> Nobody was allowed to leave. And the treasury gave these banks on one sheet of paper and a signature. They just filled in their mouth. You take $25 billion, you take $15 billion, you take this amount of billion, and we want you to reinvest it back into the economy, right? That sounds good. So that seems like we're going to get back up on our feet, right? Right. But guess what they did? There were no stipulations to their money. So they gave it back to themselves as bonuses. Right, because greed is still good. Because greed, well, greed was great. You know, greed. and you know, and that's the that's the thing that we continue to see. Absolutely. And the strain has continued to make us susceptible to people like a Trump who will come along, uh, play on those same concerns, those same fears, use the same old tropes that have you that have work for others, really has no real interest in uplifting the people that have now become his base. And because they are desperate, because they are angry, because they are so filled with, um, you know, needing someone or some, some way out of this situation, they're seeing this guy as a savior. And then you go on the other side, right? You see, again, the rise of um, uh, Alexandria, uh, Alexandria or uh, Ocasio uh, uh, Cortez mm-hmm. and, and others who have saw that the Occupy Wall Street movement was lacking sort of that political sophistication and political strategy. Because remember, they were just out there and and sort of loosely saying that we want, um, you know, we want change. But yeah. they looked at that, and Bernie Sanders you know, was really one who really capitalized on that yeah. and started to really try to harness it yeah. into a movement. So a lot of what we see now playing out. But keep, but keep in mind, Bernie yeah. Sanders was the godfather of this. So he's well, yeah, well, well, I mean, he had been talking about it for many years because he yeah. was, again, he's part of that same, that same strain, that same, that, that has always been there. It's just like, it just goes cyclical. It just takes yeah. its time to come back and become in vogue again. But it's always there because the system, as you pointed out, still fundamentally doesn't have enough safeguards in it. There's too much uh, greed, susceptibility to greed in it. So it's always going to come back to this again, where yes. there's going to be another leader. There'll be someone yeah. who will be able to, um, you know, capitalize on it either positive or negative way. Now, now, Will, you mentioned something that I think all of us need to be aware of: that is all is going to be here and it's going to come back until we correct this wealth gap. I mean, so going back to Occupy Wall Street, you have, I, I remember we had lawyers who were partners at firms or, high, or associates, uh, associate partners or, or, or junior uh, uh, attorneys or associates themselves that one day they were making 160, 180, sometimes 250, and they were laid off. Mm-hmm. How do you replace a quarter million dollars, right? After being laid off. Now, some of those individuals, what happened was a lot of that legal work then went to companies that gobbled it up. And now you saw them, you know, contracting with lawyers for a fraction of the money that they would make at those firms. But they, but that's all they could do, right? So we saw this all in every industry. Either it just completely shut down or they formed it out. Now on the rebound. What the partners and the owner and the main partners of these firms did, they said these equity partners, they were like, look, we can we can make more money 
and get more productivity contracting the work out and not take on the load where right. we at the top that can continue to make the money, right? Going back to Wall Street, you know, money never sleeps, right? <laughs> right. Wall Street too. You know, that's exactly what happens. So now you get those people that are angry, they're mad. All of a sudden you get this Tea Party movement and, and all of a sudden you get this, as you stated, attacking on people of color, black people, programs where they see maybe black people are getting ahead of them. And now you get this birth of movement, right? This birth of movement comes, oh, he wasn't born, and then born in America. Yeah, that must be the reason. That must be the reason why, you know, my right. life is, is what it Absolutely. is. I can't get my teeth fixed. You know, it must be because he, he wasn't born here. You know, that's, that's and, what it is. Yeah. I mean, we saw it firsthand. It was, it was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And who jumped on it? Who took that torch and ran with Former that's- president, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> master, the master salesman, the master salesman, and you know, and and ultimate, you know, ultimate pimp. I mean, that's what pimps do. They look at situations and capitalize on them for their own interests. And I can tell you, as a New Yorker growing up, yeah. you know, in New York and being very familiar with Trump, you know, that's why I was like, "Come on, there's no way this guy is going to become president." I mean, people are going to see through this. I mean, every you know, you notice Trump never won New York or never had a, a shot. I mean, but it's it's again when people begin to get in a point of desperation. That's right. And 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 let's be mindful. Let's be honest about this. That was part of what even got President Obama into office. This yeah. this feeling of look, this system as it is is not working. Absolutely. So let me go with this guy who seems to be honest, who seems to be uh, talking the kinds of change that's needed, he was able to get a lot of white Americans to vote for him, who honestly were looking for change because they had seen their economic lives uh, diminish. So to to just say it is just only... About racism, racism yeah. is, is not is it's, not being honest about it. It's not that's it. That's it. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You had whites in Ohio, in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, areas that were hit hard by the uh, uh, what we call now the Rust Belt right. uh, manufacturing hit hard. They voted for Obama because they were tired of the elitism. Right? right. Republicans were not doing what they said they would do for. They saw it over eight years. It wasn't there. When Bush left office, he was probably one of the most unpopular presidents. Well, not he was, but he was, which is why nobody wanted him to campaign on the campaign trail because he he was bringing them down. And the the economy tanked with it. Absolutely. Now you see the rise of Obama, right? And he had hope. But unfortunately, what happened was is that he was, a again, policy-wise, there was nothing different between him and Mitt Romney. They're both uh, conservatives. As it relates to policy. So, you know, he talks a very, very, he, he relates to the people very well, but it's about stability, right? Stability for the system. But when the system doesn't work for the people, the people revolt. And that's what we saw in part all through Trump's era. Now, of course, he used racial language, right. charged language to get people out. But if you think about it, if you saw one of the statistics from the uh, January 6th insurrection, which is a day that we live in infamy, in our in our country in the world, sixty uh, percent of those people they said had finan- were in financial straits that they had indicted so far, either filed for bankruptcy, in foreclosure, or in desperate financial straits. Mm-hmm. Think about that, sixty percent. Mm-hmm. 
So again, what does that tell you? It's not just about racism. It's about the system. So what happens now, man? Has the system changed? No. Look, you got Amazon, $10 billion, right? Did not pay any taxes. Wait a minute, no, $100 billion. You know, (laughs) didn't pay any taxes, right? On that money. So billions and billions of dollars. And you have these individuals who are making this amount of money and paying this amount to the people on the ground, Mm. right? No benefits. They're pushing them, pushing them harder. Man, look, I had one Amazon delivery guy. He was, it was so hot outside. He's like, man, I'm about to pass out. I said, hold on, let me get your bottle of water. You right. know, here, take two, right? Because they were pushing and pushing and pushing them so hard. So, Will, you know, at this point, the question becomes, what do we do? Right. What do Black people do? As you said, the system hasn't changed. Um, so we know it's susceptible. It's cyclical. So it's likely to come back. So what do we need to do? And I think what do we need to do is we've got to look at some of these specific policies that's going to help people to be able to do something with the resources that they do have and be able to move forward. So, for example, that's why this issue of Medicare for all or yeah. decoupling health care from your job is a critical issue. It's not just about, Absolutely. you know whether or not the system is, is government-run health care. I mean, look, people, Donald Trump, the former president, came down with COVID-19, and he went into a government-run hospital and got Cadillac health care service. That was a government-run hospital that he was at, okay? And he's alive today. And he's alive today where many people, and it's it's been it's been documented that he was a lot sicker than people than was led on. So he got Cadillac treatment at a government-run hospital. So it's not about government-run healthcare is bad. You've got government-run system, Medicare, Medicaid are government-run system. Absolutely. So it's not about that. We got to look at the need to decouple, to separate. Having a job is is connected to my healthcare, so that people are not spending such enormous amounts on healthcare. Another thing we got to look at the policy of reducing or, or eliminating student loan debt. Student loan debt has been saddling African-Americans, middle yeah. to lower income whites. Now you go, to, you go to school to get an education thinking that's going to lead to upward mobility and you get saddled with all of this debt. So there are some specific policies that we've got to fight for. We've got to fight to get passed in order to make a difference in people's lives. And those are two of them. Yeah, uh, Will, you mentioned student loans. You know, and first, what what should we do? Number one, this is the time to get your financial health in order. Mm -hmm. Sit down with your your spouse, sit down with your family, line out your obligations, write them down, look at what what you owe, what you got coming in, and what what you can do to even the playing field, right? Now, we're not saying you're going to be able to pay everything off or sell your house today. But at least you can start the process. I mean, that's exactly what we have to do right now, right? Secondly, you've got to take your own. Be realistic, right? You mentioned people getting getting degrees and saying, oh, I can do better and so forth, which is what happened after the, after the tech bubble burst, which is what happened after the mortgage bubble burst, which is what happened during this time period. Oh, I'll just go to school and get another degree for a job that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? So- 
you know, you have to be very honest about yourself. You know, right now I'm getting ready to, see, my wife and I are getting ready to send our oldest son to college. And I'm telling her, you know, we're putting you in position to get money that's out there that's available. And we're not paying, you know, we don't want to pay not one penny for college because we shouldn't have to. You know, if you get, get great grades, um, make sure you're focused and keep supporting, you know, giving that moral support, you know, and that emotional support, your, your, your kids will do well, right? So it's the same thing with us. We got to continue to, number one, keep an eye on the goal, set the goal, make sure you understand what your obligations are, and then start to continue to walk that and revisit it every single day, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, we can't depend on the government to do everything for us. We, we, we simply can't. Finally, student loan forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We need student loan forgiveness, elimination, right? And one thing that Biden said, he said he's willing to forgive up to 50000 He said 10, but he, he's not going to do 50. But if Congress got to do that, he'll sign it. But up to, up to 50000 plus the interest. That's key. Pay attention to every word that's in policy, ladies and gentlemen, because just like we, we saw school desegregation, but it said with all deliberate speed, right? <laughs> that, that means wait. You're right. Wait and see. You know, not what the law is going to be. And maybe, and, and, and right. the other thing I would add into that is people have to plan for their retirement. You, it's not too, it's never oh, too yeah. early, but it can absolutely be too late to plan for your retirement. So you've got to put money away as you you got to think about now and next simultaneously. Now and next, so you got to plan for your retirement because you have no knowledge of how long you may or may not live. So take yeah. us home, Eric. Yeah, so, you know, I, I want to talk about the retirement parties again. I was talking to my son, and we were talking about, you know, he wants to be a mechanical engineer. We're talking about companies that you work at and so forth and so on. And I said, son, let me give you some advice that one of my law professors gave me. He said, you're going to make a lot of money, but live like a college student for five years when you get out of school. Don't go get the big car or anything like that. Keep living. Pay off all your debt and start saving. And something that, you know, we were told, Live off of one paycheck, right? If you can live off one paycheck, you know, those first five years, set your expenses there. Then, like you said, Will, your security blanket is there. You create your own security blanket. We live in the United States of America where dreams come true. People come here to get their wealth and to make their, and, and, and to get their fortune. We can do the same. We built this country. This is our country and we love it. So that's it for today for LaVie St. Claville. We thank you for joining us. Catch us on our social media. Uh, just put in at LaVie Sankleville, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. We're out there. And until next time, be safe and be well.